Every person has a story, and some parts of those stories feel too hard to tell. You are listening to If You Only Knew, a mini-series brought to you by the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. Guys, I'm so excited that you're here for this mini series. We're going to put out a new podcast every Friday for the next couple of months. My hope for you as you hear these stories is that you won't just hear someone struggle, but that you will hear how God has used that struggle to bring himself glory. I believe that when we share our struggles and our mess and our hardness with the world, what we actually get to proclaim is the goodness of God in our lives in spite of those struggles. That's what I hope that you hear through every single one of these interviews. On today's show, my friend Melanie Dale joins me and opens up about her struggle with an eating disorder in her teenage years and early 20s. Her fear of what people would think about her and even what God would think about her kept her from sharing the struggle with friends. My hope for you as you listen is not that you would just hear what Melanie's struggle was, but you will hear the way that she began to take baby steps in talking about her struggle. I hope that you hear how Melanie shared her pain with a friend and what that led to and how important her community is to her even today in fighting this battle. Here is Melanie and her story. Melanie, thank you for joining me today. Hi. So this whole concept, you've heard me talk about it. I've been talking about it. This whole theme of, you know, if you only knew. And that is the concept of the book that I wrote. And it's just this thing that I lived with for a really long time. I constantly thought, if they knew this about me, what would they think? The funny thing is, Melanie, and I'll probably say this with every person I talk to about this, is really, I don't know that people would have been that weird about it right? But I just thought that they would. So what is something in your life where you really had this kind of convincing of yourself? It could have been true. It could have been put on yourself of if they knew what would happen. Yeah. Well, I just finished your book, Jamie, and it's awesome. Thank you so much. Well, I loved it. And, and I finished it and I was thinking about my own, if you only knew. And, and the thing that popped into my mind immediately was my eating disorder, which really, um, had such a grip on me in high school and college. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I developed it in high school, really my senior year at a time in my life when I was practically running from the Lord, I'd been a Christian my whole life. And, um, and really your story in the book resonated a lot with, with my story of like the good church kid, yay, Jesus. And then I think my senior year, I was just so sick of being the good Christian girl. And, and I just kind of started distancing myself from the Lord and kind of running, running the other direction. And, um, through that, I think getting away from God, I started to feel really out of control in a lot of areas. And, and as I was feeling out of control, I started using food as a way to feel in control and to feel like I was con- controlling what was happening to my body. And and I think through that, I kind of enjoyed hurting myself. Mm. Isn't that funny? Like looking back on that now, does it, so, does it feel weird to say that out loud? I kind of enjoyed hurting myself. Yeah. I mean, it's not like the happiest thing I've ever said, but it's definitely true. Yeah. I, I I think a lot of us probably deal with that where we, whether, whether you're cutting or you're, you have an eating disorder or you have something else in your life. Like there's a little bit in us that thinks I don't deserve to feel good. I, I deserve to feel pain. And I kind of like the way this feels in a weird way. Everything you're saying, I have not specifically struggled with what you're talking about, but when you're saying that, I'm like, yeah, we do this to ourselves. We like Mm self-sabotage and it does make us in the moment kind of feel better. Because yeah. we're just, you're wanting control. 
you, you, you're hopeless, you're helpless, all the things. And then for that split second, you feel like you have what you want. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, I didn't even realize that I was controlling my food at first. At first, I, I just, I kind of stopped eating, but didn't really pay attention. I was really busy. It was my senior year. I started throwing my lunches away in the trash that my mother was still packing for me because she's the best mom ever. (laughs) I do not do this for my children. Um, and, and so I was, I was throwing food away and I was, um, not having time for meals and just in and out of the house and wasn't really paying attention. And then realized once I was kind of in there and my clothes were baggy and what was going on, oh, I, when was the last time I ate? And then I was like, oh, I like this. I'm going to consciously decide to do this now. Um, and I hid it from everyone. No one knew. I have a wonderful family, wonderful parents, but nobody knew. And I ended up in the hospital with gastrointestinal problems several times. I ended up on medicine. No one could figure out what the problem was. And no one asked me, hey, Mel, are you eating? <laughs> so wow. it was this thing that kind of flew under the radar. Now, when you were getting sick and ended up in the hospital and you're a teenager. So granted, teenagers can be dumb sometimes. Did you put two and two together? Like, I think I'm, I think I'm the problem. I think I, I'm doing this. I didn't. I I was clueless. Like it never occurred to me that I, if I go a long time without eating and then I try to eat something all of a sudden that that was going to cause problems and wreak havoc. And I couldn't figure out that my stomach and intestinal problems were related to the fact that I was starving myself. Mm. And no (laughs) one asked you, no medical professional. No, no one did. Which is crazy, right? I know. I feel like people wouldn't be that way today. This was back in the nineties, back in the nineties, maybe, I don't know. Just no one asked me. It didn't occur to me. Um, and then once I did figure out what was going on, I was too far into it. And I, that was just kind of my lifestyle at that time was I'm just going to keep this up. And so too, like, cause you get there. I remember feeling that with other things and you feel like this is just who I am. Yeah. And were you willing to just be that? Did you have any desire to not be that? No, I was just like, yeah. I, I wasn't seeking healing. I was like, this is my life now. Mm. Yeah. And so, so that was my whole senior year of high school and it, it got worse and worse. I had some fainting spells. I ended up, you know, on medicine and gastrointestinal problems. And then in college, I carried that into college. Um, the thing that changed in college was I finally started talking to God again. Mm. And my freshman year of college, and I really think the Lord protected me from myself because he put me in a dorm where, where, and I did not go to a Christian college or anything, but I just kept meeting people who loved God. And so someone invited me to church, my, my RA invited me to church. And I met these other people who were involved in a campus organization. And, um, and so I started talking to God again and it, I, my conversations with him would be like at night, I'd be like, Hey God, there's some stuff I need to talk to you about, but I'm not ready to talk. And then I'd kind of like leave it. And then like a few nights later, Hey, okay. Hi again. I know it's been a while. Okay. I'm still not ready to tell you what the thing is, but, um, hi, and we're talking, you know? And so it started really just, and so if you, if you're it's listening like a dating you, relationship, a new yeah, dating relationship, Yes. If, if you're listening and you find that you've drifted away from God or you don't even know how to talk to God, you can always just say, hi, I don't want to talk to you. And that's talking and that's a start. <laughs> so good, Melanie. Yes. Because you can't, you felt probably like, I don't know how I say this to him. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. And, and there was a lot going on in my life and, and just the eating disorder was just one aspect of a life that was out of control. And, um, and so I started talking to God again, and then I started reading my Bible again and really getting into that. And through my freshman year of college, I started to, I, I think 
I think the eating disorder loosened a little bit. It was not gone, but I started to let light into my life a little bit and started to grow closer to the, the Lord and, um, and started meeting really neat people. And, and at the end of my senior, uh, freshman year of college, I decided to go on a mission trip. And so you'd think like, Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm yay. I look like this great Christian. I have all these Christian friends. I'm going on this mission trip overseas. Um, and I went to the Balkan Peninsula with Campus Crusade for Christ. And it was, it was awesome. But even on that mission trip, I was still battling this eating disorder, Jamie. Mm. So I remember like we were eating all this food and, you know, you're eating in community every day with all of the people you're on the trip with. And I remember specifically one night I felt like I had eaten too much. And that feeling of feeling full is a difficult feeling to experience when you have an eating disorder. You just, it's hard to feel full sometimes when you're anorexic, you're just so aware that your stomach feels different than it usually does. And then you start to beat yourself up about it and you can feel shame about that. And so I remember just like leaving the place we were staying and walking out in the city by myself in the middle of the night, like just walking and walking and walking and like just trying to get away, like trying to get away from the fact that I felt full. But of course my body is the one walking, so I can't get away from myself, but just running in the middle of the night, like no concern for my safety. I was trying to make myself throw up over and over again and couldn't do it. And, um, and just really kind of hit kind of a rock bottom place while I was on a mission trip telling mm. people about the love of Jesus Christ. And so, you know, to be able to have both of those things going on, I think the Lord is gracious. And so I, you know, I love Jesus so much, but was just also very broken. And um, on the bus ride back to the airport to fly home for the summer, I ended up talking to one of the other girls on the trip. And it was someone who I really hadn't talked to that much that summer. And I told her a little bit about the struggle and she also struggled with that. How did that come up if you had not felt comfortable talking about that with anyone before? And then all of a sudden, this girl that you haven't spent that much time with talking with, you open up with her. What opened that door? I think she probably went first. you know, and then I, like, we just kind of had this conversation where the two of us were like getting on the same page, like, Oh my gosh, me too. Oh my gosh, me too. And, um, and so we had a conversation and I I feel like that was maybe one of the first times that I really had an open conversation about it. Like here I am trying to follow the Lord, but also hurting myself on purpose and really struggling with this need for control in my life and, um, and feeling like a lot of shame about that, that I obviously did not have my life together. Um, you know what I think is interesting when you just said that is when you said I was like loving Jesus and you said this earlier, I was loving Jesus, but I was just like a broken mess up person. And then he just said, I'm like loving Jesus, but I'm like still struggling with all these things. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Melanie, I feel like a lot of times people who start following Jesus, all of a sudden they feel like, well, I need to have all my crap together because how could I come to him with this brokenness and with this messiness and your story and my story as well. And thousands upon thousands of people's stories are the exact opposite of God drawing you near to him, even in the midst of your mess. And I just think that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I think too, I mean, I, I became a believer so young, so early in my life. And it was such a part of me that the fact that I could let my life get so out of control and so far away from the Lord, even though I had the gift of knowing him since I was a child, I felt extra shame about that. Mm. Like I have all, I, at the time I had all the grace in the world for people who had never experienced the love of Jesus, who then came to the Lord. Like anybody can have all the baggage they want. And I was like, that is amazing. But for myself, I beat myself up about the fact that why am I not perfect? I have had years and years of following the Lord and I suck at this. Mm. That's so it's what we all, people, 
people are dealing with that baggage so many times, so many yeah. times. Okay. So you tell the girl on the bus and that's one of the yeah. first times you remember saying it out loud. Did it get easier to say it out loud? So it did. I think that started it. And then I ended up in leadership with Campus Crusade for Christ on my campus. And I started leading a Bible study uh, about a year later. And and that was going well. I was still struggling with this, this a little bit, but I was getting more comfortable about um opening up about it and being honest about my struggle. And one of the girls in the Bible study that I led, um, she came to me and said that she was struggling with it too. And so she and I started meeting regularly and talking about it. And we started eating breakfast together and like watching each other eat breakfast every morning. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think light started to filter into what had been a very dark and secret place in my life. And this was another girl. We were both, we were in a Bible study together. We were both admitting to each other, Hey, we don't have this part of our life together. And so, so it, that then emboldened me to be able to share my story more and more. And so I would say I wasn't like, oh, God healed me overnight. But I think the more I talked about it and the more I was willing to open myself up um, in my community, the more light filtered in and the more uh, um, healing came uh, from that. Do you remember when you told your parents? Mm, gosh, I don't remember the exact time. It was in college. And, um, I, I feel like I told them kind of in a, I did struggle with this, but not, I am <laughs> right. currently struggling yeah. with it. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I, I feel bad. My parents are so amazing. So you never want to hurt your parents. Mm-hmm. And, and I know they felt guilt from not noticing, yeah. like they had their own stuff on their plates and they, they really struggled with how could we have not known? How could we have not noticed? And so like, I, I, I hate hurting my parents because they're so amazing and they're like the greatest parents ever. So I never want to like grace for that now as parents, you know, yes. Yeah, totally, totally, totally. So do you think of a time because you even told me before we started recording, you're like, I just don't talk about this that much. Um, Is it just because it's never been like in your lane or what does that look like for you? I think. I'm going to be really honest with you. One thing that is difficult for me is I I have shared about it. I've blogged about it a little bit and I've shared a little bit about it in public, but I do feel a lot of judgment mm. because our culture of being thin is celebrated. And so what I get from people when I'm like, Hey, yeah, I've really struggled with anorexia in my life and, um, and not eating enough. People tend to diminish that and go, well, gee, I wish I had that problem. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and so I, I find myself being very quiet about it because, um, I, I know, I don't want to offend anybody. And I also, I mean, I remember specifically being at my church one time for, it was a women's event. It was run by a, um, some kind of social worker counselor person who has training and stuff. And so I can't remember the details. We were, we were sharing like things that people struggle with. And so someone, someone raised their hand and shared overeating. And then I raised my hand and said, under eating. And this person actually like laughed at me and was like, Oh, don't we wish we had that problem. And then the whole room laughed. And I just felt like I was dying inside. Like, Oh my gosh, the whole room is laughing. I was being serious about this struggle. And I I know I'm not alone. There are plenty of people who struggle, struggle with under eating, but it is something that is joked about more than taken seriously. So I think, um, it's, it was hard for me to kind of talk about it a lot. Um, because of that. But yeah, I, okay. Can I be completely honest with you? Yeah. 
Okay, so I think this is a really good for all of us to hear because I'm learning something that sometimes we do joke about this and it really does hurt the person. And I would never, ever want to hurt the person or hurt you. But I'll tell you, Melanie, when you were telling me your story just then, a joke came into my head. And I didn't say it out loud because I'm 40 years old and I have learned when to keep my mouth shut. But you're right. I thought that when you were saying I kept forgetting to eat, I thought in my head, oh, gosh, I wish I could forget to eat. Right. And that is it's demeaning to you. And I'm glad I didn't say it, but I'm I'm being vulnerable here with you because yeah. that's what we do. And um, listen, and Jamie, you know, and you I love me and we're friends. And yes, yeah. so. I love jokes. And I know that I accidentally hurt people all the time because of my jokes. I mean, I, I do think we have to give each other grace there. And I certainly, I mean, people joke, but I, but yeah, I do think it's made me be a little bit quieter about it because I, I don't ever want to hurt somebody else. Who's maybe got the, the opposite struggle. Cause I have plenty of people in my life who struggle with the opposite Mm -hmm. that I struggle with. And so I think, you know, both are serious and, and yeah. I think it's just interesting when you're you're saying that the reason that you haven't shared it that much is that reason it kind of like hit me and going, okay, like I don't want to be someone who makes light of anyone's struggle because everyone's struggle is their struggle and they're real and they need Jesus and we need grace and we need all the things to help us with it. And so I'm glad that you said that. I really am because I know people are listening and thinking, wow, I want to be a friend who doesn't make light of things, you know, in in a good way. Like we want to be for each other. So that's really good. Okay. So my next question for you is... As you have shared it, like as you have been vulnerable, whether that's in a public platform or with real friends, which let's just be honest here. I hope that what people hear the most, the funny thing is I wrote my, like some of my deepest, scariest, shameful things in a book for everyone to read. Like, okay, way to go, Jamie. But what I want people to know is that's not where you start. Like you and I never started sharing things publicly before we've shared them privately. Am I right about that? Right. Yeah, absolutely. So what I want to know from you is what did it, what did it feel like? And what did you see change within you when you got the courage um, to start sharing this with your girlfriends? Hmm. I think I started experiencing healing. And as I saw that they can accept me, that then I'm able to accept myself mm. And as I see them loving me, I'm able to re- realize that the Lord loves me as well. Mm. And so sometimes we can, our love for one another can help us receive God's love for us. So I think too, this is, this is something that uh, my eating disorder and struggling with not eating enough. It's something that is healed in my life, but it's something that's always right there on the edge of my conscience. It's that thing that's, it's always tempting me when I'm weak. If I'm, if I kind of get far away from the Lord, it's that thing that's like right there tempting me. I feel like I'm always one meal away from returning to it. So I really, I try to make sure that I'm enjoying food and I'm eating even when I'm not hungry because I'm, I don't always get hungry. And so it's something that I have to always remember to do. Um, and something that I always have to kind of keep, keep up on. So even as I'm talking about my healing. And I think for a lot of us, like we have things that we have been healed from, but they're always right there tempting us kind of on the edges. And isn't that what Satan would want to, that's how he would get us. You know, I say some of my, absolutely, some of my struggles is the, are the things I have to fight the most because it's what would actually take me out. You know, it's the things that he could throw at me that could do a lot of damage in my life personally and all kinds of things. And so I think what you're saying is very valid and important for us to realize is whatever the struggle might be for you eating disorder, um, for me, whatever else that might be, is to not ever be so 
And you're right. God can totally heal you and it's gone forever done. But to always realize that this weakness could come back if we're not still fighting it. Right. I think that's where accountability is so important. And so I have put into place accountability with some trusted friends in my life ongoing. And that's the key to beating this. And and that includes my therapist, that includes friends and some family members who I've given permission in my life to just, they're allowed to check in on me. And, you know, if they feel like I I'm looking too thin, or if they see that I'm skipping meals, they're allowed to ask me about it. And I know that they're not trying to like get me, you know, but they're like, they're truly, they love me and they want to make sure that this area of my life is an area that's staying healthy. Um, I also, I have Psalm 139 tattooed on my lower back to remind me that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made because sometimes staring in the mirror, I can't tell that. And so now it's like on my back permanently. Yeah, that that's helped. Um, and then the other thing that I think is especially difficult these days is I, I notice I almost have to like bounce my eyes away as if it was porn or something for like diet stuff. Mm. Um, like Facebook is the worst because there's all these diet tips and ads for weight loss products and everything is weight loss, this and weight loss that. And I have to really be careful to like delete, 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 scroll past. Mm. Don't let myself go down that rabbit hole. Um, in order to, to stay healthy. And then I just have to continue that dialogue with the Lord about it too. Yeah. I love the way you're fighting it. And I think that's like fight, fighting sin is what we'll do forever. Um, and the way that you're allowing your girlfriends to walk with you with that. And just to know that in allowing them to do that, you had to invite them in. And I think that's mm-hmm. sometimes the scariest first step for people is to just verbally say out loud, here's what I'm struggling with, or here's what mm-hmm. I have struggled with for years and years and no one knows. And that's a scary first step. Uh, but mm-hmm. like you said, it's a path to our healing. It really is. It is. Mm. You know, the other thing I'll say too about accountability and girlfriends is that not even you might have a really close friend, but if she's struggling with the exact same thing and not in a healthy place, that might not be the accountability partner for you. Like, Good point. Um, because that can happen where if you, if you struggle with similar things, then, and the two of you maybe aren't able to, to, uh, be that for each other. You're just going to kind of drag each other down depending upon kind of where you guys are in your healing. So yeah. Like be praying about who, who the right people are for you that are going to lead you in the right direction too. I call those struggle buddies. And sometimes (laughs) our flesh desires struggle buddies because we just want someone to like be in it with us and like think that the whole world is awful. And, you know, we got each other's back when really that's not helpful in certain situations to have a struggle buddy. So that's really good. Really good. It almost sounds like a stuffed animal. I know. Struggle buddy. buddy. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Uh, Well, Melanie, I am beyond grateful for your vulnerability today and talking about something that is not a normal thing for you to talk about um, because not just because I, I love talking to you and I do, but because I know that people are listening that have struggled with this or are struggling with this or know a friend that has, and your words are going to just bring so much encouragement and guidance to them. So thank you for being vulnerable and sharing with us things about your past. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks, Jamie. Thanks for listening to this story. I believe this stories changed the world. I believe that they tear down walls open gates of conversation and allow us to experience freedom in a new way. Your story matters. And I pray that you will have the courage to share your story with a close friend, just like my guest shared with me today. In my newest book, If You Only Knew, I go first. I go first and I share my story with you. You can find more information at ifyouonlyknewbook.net.